the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Okay, folks, let's start off with some uh, ideas to make us think. The fact that a many great people believe something is no guarantee of its truth. Ain't that the truth? Believe you can, and you're halfway there. That was Teddy Roosevelt, by the way. I have learned over the years that when one mind is made up, this diminishes fear. That's Rosa Parks. It does not matter how slowly you go. As long as you do not stop, Confucius. And our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. And that's uh, Martin Luther King. There we go. Anyway, uh, so uh, a lot of people have been asking, uh, you know, where do I get this? Where do I get that? And the easiest way is go to WHK's webpage. You go to WHK, you go to uh, local podcast, down to the Smart Investor Show. And anything you see there, uh, you can get. Uh, you know, I will recommend that. You know, we our insight page. If you go directly to my web page, uh, you can get a wealth plan under bulletin board. There's a newsletter, and there's also Rob Schleimer's work. Uh, he's a great technician. Uh, and then, uh, and then on the insight banner, there's all sorts of new research that comes out, and they name names. You know, uh, now it's mostly fundamental research, and uh, as you know, I I like both. Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about <laughs> technical research as much anymore, but uh, anyway, take it from there. Um, so I think there's three big things we need to know. Uh, and I'm, you know, Lori Calvacina is our head strategist and she has some, some great work. Uh, you know, everybody said she was nuts about the small cap stocks and they were up like 22% in the last two months of the year. Um, first, the reporting season is almost halfway done. And what's interesting is the bottom-up consensus expectations for earnings per share growth have shrunk to 9% from 11%. So we have a combination of better-than-expected results for 2023 and a modest dampening enthusiasm for 2024's outlook. So that's a, you know, it's a one-two punch kind of. But that 2% can mean a lot over the long term. Who knows? Uh, second, it's, you know, we have a very murky macro backdrop. and. We've got all of it at cost. We have China, you know, has some challenges, a deflationary scenario. We talk about some other things that we have some problems with, and I'll take it from there. And then our high frequency indicators, uh, things that have caught our attention, included the worsening sentiment backdrop for stocks last week, and mostly positive data coming out about the healthy economy and the labor market. So it's kind of a weird thing. So, you know, and if you look at last week's update. What I said, you know, about what Laurie was talking about, the percentage of S&P 500 companies beating consensus on their earnings per share forecast is tracking a little bit lower than last quarter. Uh, 
both the earnings per share beats and revenue beats are tracking lower for the Russell 2000. So, I mean, you beat and, and you basically go down. That's what the problem is. And if you, God help you if you, <laughs> if you miss. Uh, the Russell 1000, the company's posting earnings beat are outperforming the broader market. Slightly. Uh, not greatly, but slightly. Uh, immediately post results. So that's good. Small cat companies uh, posting earnings beats have been in-line performers. They haven't, there's been no great news, uh, news good enough to move them. So the good news is that the company missing consensus are underperforming to a lesser degree than usual. That's a positive. And I, I think um, some comments last week that, that jumped out uh, to us, you know, first of all, we highlighted the, the wide range of terms used to describe the macro backdrop last week, and, and they persisted this week, you know. And the Fed-related uh, commentary generally amplifies positive associated with the end of cuts uh, and the more certainty in the, in the monetary pot, uh, outlook. So that's good. And higher costs remain in focus. You know, people are still worried about inflation along with expense management programs. Um, so there's also been a lot of comments about increased productivity and, and the benefits of lower attrition and improving staffing levels. That's another good thing. The China discussion generally continued to tilt negative. Uh, and that, you know, the big part of the world's economy, so we'll leave it at that. So uh, some other things we've noticed is uh, the S&P 500's performance in early 2022 and 2024 continued to re resemble the uh, the 2020, uh, 2002 to early 2004 period. And that was a messy normalization that followed the tech bubble, okay? Uh, at this stage, a pullback was about to begin, though it's worth noting that the S&P 500 still ended up about 9% for 2004. Now, and the performance of the top 10 names in the S&P 500 remain near past peaks relative to the S&P 500. So, uh, that that continues to be worrisome. Let's just say it that way. And bulls bounce back in the in the in the weekly AAI poll. That's the American Association of Individual Investors. Net bullishness rose to 28.6 percent. The average for the four weeks is 18.9. Actually, bulls were up at 49 percent. That's a lot. Uh, although not, you know, I've seen it. You know, we stay at 55, 60 percent for a long period of time. So uh, keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, during bull periods, and, and though still in negative territory, the ISM manufacturing came in stronger than expected for January. So that's that's the poll that they take for all the man manufacturing companies out there. Uh, so it's it's above the prior month. So the the improvement seen here is a you know is kind of a positive sign for small caps as we see it. Uh, it wasn't a surprise to anyone who's been watching financial news headlines that the Challenger layoff report showed an uptick in layoff announcements for January. Um, the data generally confirmed that what we've seen in, re in recent weeks, that layoff announcements have been concentrated in financials and tech. So uh, a few other industries like food and industrial saw upticks as well, but the trend, it really wasn't that widespread, you know, so keep that in the back of your mind. And I think that's important. Um, the, <laughs> the animal spirits of the U.S. economy uh, mostly continued to improve in the data, even though that didn't appear to be the case in the minds of investors. 
Now, here's some things I noticed is that this is kind of a weird bull market in that, um, you know, we, we, we're hitting a new high and we've had during the period of time up until last week now, we had $212 billion outflows out of the out of mutual funds. This is the first week we've had a positive inflow in a long time. So I guess the question is, we're breaking out to new highs with negative outflows. What happens when we have positive? And the other thing I was surprised to see is that Biden has moved up and Trump has moved down in the real clear uh, politics poll or polls, I should say, for the general election. In other words, Trump advantage has shrunk a little. So there we go. Um, and keep that in time. Now, a couple other things I think that's important. Uh, this is the first time in 20 years that we've had more goods shipped from Mexico to the United States than China. So, hmm, you know, there we go. Now, we also broke through a large milestone in 5,000, the S&P 500. I wonder what happens there. And the Year of the Dragon, you know, uh, in, in Chinese folklore, 73% of the time has been positive, and the average has been 13.3%. Obviously, we are in one. Now, a couple things I did notice uh, is that the FDIC did uh, have a fee for the banks of $23 billion. That that was all the banks altogether. So um, that's kind of an interesting, you know, maybe held back a lot of the regional banks a little bit other than, you know, <laughs> there's another bank that uh, hit back and got whacked a little bit. And then the S&P. 14 of the last 15 weeks has been positive. We haven't seen that since 1972. It's been a long time. Now, look, the market remains narrow, although you're starting to see some movement. I mean, stuff, uh, there's some big industrial companies have been going sideways that are dividend aristocrats that had big moves Friday. We also had some in the consumer discretionary area, big moves. So, Value benchmarks have been wild. Uh, dividend stocks still appear very undervalued and, and have basically underperformed. And, um, it, you know, that's very unusual. You know, dividends make up about 40% of the gain in the S&P 500. Um, and look, the top five stocks uh, have contributed to about 50% of the gain in 2023, and it started off that way again this year. So the only year we had worse was uh, in 2020, and that's that was 60%. <laughs> so, you know, you got to keep that in mind. And, and I, I also got to think that, you know, sometime in the near future, we're going to get back to a more rational approach to the stock market. And if you look, the, we're almost two standard deviations below the average for a, um, for a dividend aristocrat versus the S&P 500. So the S&P 500 is going up. The, divi- the, the high-quality dividend companies, companies that raise their dividend every year, are going down. We're not going up. And that's very unusual. So, um, you know, it's something to keep in mind. And, and uh, look, uh, I, I have found over a period of time when leaders get I mean, there are several stocks that have gone up 100, you know, 80, 90, 100% in the last three months. 
And I have found that's usually when you want to be careful. Okay. And we're going to talk about that more, but you know, you, you either need a spreading out of the, the market where more stocks participate or, you know, that you get, you're going to have a problem. The other thing is with these stocks that maintain these great moves for a long period of time, you also got to remember that eventually their earnings start to slow down a little bit. All right. And when they do, uh, you know, there's four phases of a growth stock. It's the rapid deployment of the, of the particular technology or product into the economy. Then there's a peaking period. Then there's a slowing down of the growth and then look out below. Okay. So keep that in the back of your mind. Now, look, uh, there's, People are now starting to talk about this, uh, you know, the, the Hindenburg uh, thing, you know, because you're, you're hitting new highs and a lot of the stocks aren't participating. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I, you know, I'm not that good. But we will say this. U.S., uh, you know, under our thought process, and, and uh, you know, Lori Calcavina used to be the head strategist for small caps. Small caps, the time is now. We're very bullish on small caps, and we have a whole bunch of them uh, in a list, if you'd like them. Um, so, and I just think that's, that's interesting. Now, one of the things we're thinking of, um, is a, a, a lot of people have, uh, looked at value and said, you know, what about value? Okay. And value has underperformed growth now for the longest period of time I can remember. And I think there's some key points that you have to think about. Okay. And, and. This is something that a lot of people don't get, but value without growth doesn't work. So just because there's, you know, if the stock looks good on, on the value sheet without growth, it doesn't help it at all. Okay. So traditional value companies that are best able to capture and retain talent are pragmatic. And they also, in their adoption of technology solutions going forward, they are the type of companies we will, you know, in our view anyway, that will likely see improvements in their earnings in the year ahead. So it'll be a growth resurgence, and it'll likely help reignite those animal spirits that we talked about, driving the earnings multiple higher, and thus returns for the group. All right, so there's lots of companies that are in, you know, earth-moving machines that are using technology to go to the next level. Okay, I'm not going to mention who they are, but... You know, it, it's a value stock that's turning things around by using tech. Now, we believe investors who are willing to expand their traditional investment tool set to incorporate the so-called extra financial factors that feed growth can stand to, you know, they're going to reap some superior turns over time. And the traditional, you know, the seeds of traditional value investing uh, were sown by Benjamin Graham. That's Warren Buffett's teacher, by the way. In his work, you know, Security Analysis and the Intelligent Investor, uh, the defining book on value investing, is, you know, those are two great books, by the way. They were 1934 and 1949. They're still valuable today, as were Edwards and McGee, which is the kind of the technician's handbook. Uh, you know, the co combination of two are usually a pretty good scenario. But look, Graham's work stood as a keystone of modern investment analysis and, uh, his intrinsic value framework argued that stocks trading in short-term irrational markets may have a price that is higher or lower than what the business really worked. Okay, and this dislocation between what a company's price is in that marketplace and what it ought to be uh, on a fundamental basis over a long period of time 
means that a prudent investor should buy when the market prices are lower. That's simple, okay? So if you if you work on, uh, you know, you, you build on his work, and then there's uh, Eugene Fema and Ken French, and they, they had a three-factor model that introduced size and value also. So the key is buy and hold undervalued stocks while letting the market prices rise to meet intrinsic value over time, okay? And the sale or avoid overvalued stocks while the market prices fail to meet the intrinsic value. That's what you got to do, okay? And, and people think you're crazy. Everybody wants to be in the hot stocks, the hot stocks. You know what? That usually is, is very costly in the long run if you're not paying very, very close attention. So let's just keep it that way. So anyway, uh, it, it, the, the real problem out there is the value trap. Does value work without growth? And the answer is no. <laughs> all right. You know, Buffett says that all the time. There's no such thing as a growth, as growth stocks or value stocks. Growth is a part of the value equation. Okay. So, uh, you know, people say growth versus value. Well, growth has been going crazy since, you know, it's been about 10 years. And it's been outperforming value pretty drastically. So just keep that in the back of your head, all right? All right, let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. Everyone wants to know what's going to change. What can we expect in the future? Heck, I want to know too. But in plumbing... The important stuff is what's not going to change. People are always going to want their call answered by a real human who can help them. And they're always going to want an honest, do-it-right plumber to fix the problem wallakadoodle style. And they're always going to want that to happen today, not tomorrow. So at Why It Works, that's what we focus on. That's why we're introducing same-day water heater replacement. Because let's face it, no one wants to take a cold shower the morning after they discover a broken water heater. Well, maybe some health nut who likes cold plunging. But most of us want that hot water. So when you call Wireworks for a broken water heater, we'll get your replacement installed and installed right that same day. We'll even wallakadoodle it by taking away your old one and clean it up like we've never been there. Just call Wireworks and consider it done. Officer Tatum here. It is critical we keep AM radio in all cars and all trucks. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for news, weather, and opinions. AM is also the backbone of emergency alert systems, keeping you advised on threatening weather conditions and amber alerts. Text AM to the number 52886. Tell Congress that we need AM radio in our cars. Again, text AM to the number 52886. Standard message and data rates may apply. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Argent, I think. Yeah. Oh, the zombies. Zombies, yes. 
I saw them in a, it, it was the first rock movie a long, long time ago. Uh, Cammy, I think it was called. Anyway, uh, so I just got an email from Ed, and Ed said, Tim, so is value dead? No, not exactly. But the world is a different place today. Okay, Ed? And, and, and I think the key is we're in a digital economy, and technologies continue to grow and mature. And so we do believe some of the old dogs have to learn some new tricks. <laughs> it's that simple. So consider the backbone of technology, uh, an extra financial metric known as human and social capital. Okay, uh, without talented technolo- technologically, easy for me to say on Saturday, adapt people or incentive structures to attract and retain them, you're going to have a problem, you know, with career path, job sat- satisfaction, that type of thing. So, look, you want to keep the best people you can. And if, they're, if, they ha- if they know technology, you really want to keep them. Now, if they got bad attitudes, obviously you don't. But, you know, I think with intangibles, growth, Growth stranglehold on high-caliber technology tank, uh, talent is abating. Uh, so it, it's a boon for value industries where the data science has had low or no penetration. And I think the lion's share of the index, value companies that are best able to capture and retain talent, are going to be in great shape. All right? And, you know, so so where do you fish for growth? Look, I, I could tell you... Uh, there were several companies that reported that last week that went down. And I know people that work for them, and the stuff they're doing underneath is very interesting, very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, they're talking about, uh, I think, you know, Mark Twain's uh, noted, you know, obituary, uh, the reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. May be true for a lot of those companies out there, if indeed. Value is not dead, okay? Uh, you know, growth stocks regain investors' love in 2023, and they, they're still going strong. Uh, but there comes a time when their earnings are going to slow, okay? New products, it always happens. Uh, you know, the earnings start to slow, and, and the value stocks start to pick up again. So I also think it doesn't help that, the, you know, the Fed raised rates three-quarters of a point, five times. Five times in a year. That's never been heard of before. So that held back a lot of the dividend growth stocks and the prime income list, too. So uh, it was it was a very painful year, 2022. But what held up? Value stocks, industrials, companies using those technologies, uh, you know, financials, companies using technology to better off their, their company. And those companies were up. <laughs> All right? So it, it wasn't the technology companies. They are the really ones that got ripped in 2022. So, so keep that in mind. So I think what you want to look for is companies that can generate, uh, generate annual revenue growth consistently above the revenue growth of the, the broader economy. Uh, and the growth rates for revenue outpace the specific company's broader industry. That's important, too. You want to have the best company in the group, okay? And the revenue income and free cash flow growth are expected to sustain Elevated levels, free cash flow. I can't tell you how important that is. That's what all the private equity firms are looking for. Some somewhere where they can buy a company, take the free cash flow multiple up four or five times, and then sell it. Okay, so uh, look, growth companies often can sustain superior growth rates for longer than most investors expect. All right, and investors tend to be less less discerning and more accepting of 
paying higher valuations for those growth companies. And I think growth companies tend to operate in uh, the information technology, consumer discretionary, healthcare, industrial sectors, that type of thing. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Now, look, we have a new reality out there. We have yields that the Fed says aren't coming down as far as people anticipate. You know, people maybe thought that yields were going to go back down to 2 3%. Maybe, but I, I think they're going to stay, you know, what we said years ago, a couple of years ago, and Rob Schleimer pointed this out, is that the 10-year Treasury yield broke a 40-year downtrend. It's not going back. It's, it's just it's probably not going to happen. So take it from there. Now, I've had a lot of questions about the foreign markets. And, you know, I was looking at, at, at some of the Chinese ETFs, and they're not there yet, but they're, they do look like they're trying to bottom. I'm, I'm not that good. But, you know, look, I, I do think um, they're – the Chinese market and the European market and uh, India has gone crazy. But uh, some of these markets have really good opportunity and they're cheap and nobody likes them yet. And by the way, their relative strength versus the S&P 500 is not there with the exception of India and a couple other names. Um, so price inflation peaked last year or 2022 and you know, it may be really kind of an interesting scenario at it, for the ADR list, okay? Now, I don't think you have to hurry into this, but foreign stocks go up too, you know, and it may be time to pay close attention to those foreign stocks. I uh, don't know for sure, but, uh, you know, it's like small cap stocks. I think they look great on a fundamental basis. They have an uptick versus the S&P 500 because people keep stuffing money into the S&P 500 and they keep buying up the companies with high capitalization. So when that stops <laughs> yeah, or when the small caps turn up, I think you'll see more money flow that way. So it's just a matter of when, I'd, uh, hopefully anyway. Uh, but I, I think, you know, uh, with European stocks, it's the economic activity that will be the next test. So that's something you've got to keep in mind, uh, along with some of the currency flux fluctuations. You know, the dollar's been very strong. And the dollar's strong usually to stay with domestic stocks. It weakens up, then, then you go other places. But, you know, right now we don't have that. Now, I was looking at, uh, at this summer, I recommended the data center liquid cooling market overview. Uh, you know, look, these GPUs that are used for AI, and we talked about AI quite a bit. We'll talk a little bit, little bit about that later on the show. But the data center cooling market overview, I don't. I think there's one of these stocks that's not up pretty nicely. And that's just since, you know, we talked, started talking about in July. So, you know, it, it was a very good idea. And I think these names, they're not going to go away, okay? Uh, AI in general, the, the, the whole kit and caboodle is not going to go away. Now, I've had a lot of questions from people about semiconductors. I, I must have had, you know, I, I mean, we talked about these back in November, the first week of November. And, you know, we talked about the wide-scale disruption of the global semiconductor supply chain during COVID. And the increasing tensions between U.S. and China set off some alarm bells in the government circles and Many governments are focusing on chip security and proposing bold new incentives to manufacture critical technology in their their place of business, their home. <laughs> All right. So the reshoring strategy, which uh, you know, proprietizes chain 
supply chain resilience over cost is going to be important going forward for a lot of companies, uh, countries, and I think it's a national security thing is what they're thinking about. So once these are overcome, the industry should benefit long term. However, they've anticipated a lot of it. I mean, some of the, you know, I know stocks that are up 180, 90, 100% since November. <laughs> so I would just think you need a cooling off of period. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not that good, but, uh, you know, it seems to me that you want to use your head when buying these things. And uh, uh, look, you know, a year ago, a year and a month ago, we talked about our people talking about the FANG stocks and small caps. Well, the FANG stocks ended up like 36, 37% higher. And the small caps ended up, uh, you know, the last two months of the year, they were up 22%. Okay. So those are big moves, folks. All right. So we've been right. And I, I don't think the FANG stocks are going away. I just think there'll be more, uh, how can we put it? more action other places uh you know this week we saw a couple big names one in the industrial area that everybody said was crap which was a dividend aristocrat it's up 10 bucks another company in consumer discretionary that people hadn't talked about in a long long time and what we're finding is the chinese are buying their product it was up like 20 bucks so uh things outside technology are working it was a big entertainment company up 10 bucks, 12 bucks on big Thursday or Friday. Everybody hates entertainment companies. You know, nobody likes, uh, you know, they went from loving streaming to hating streaming in a very short period of time. And I think these companies will do probably fairly well. And I noticed that, you know, Warren Buffett's bought some of, of the one company. So don't get totally bearish on anything. All right. Let the market decide. The market's going to, you know, it's going to overcompensate on the downside. It's going to overcompensate on the upside. That's the way it works because there's emotion involved. Remember, I think they asked Warren Buffett, uh, or was it Bernard Baruch? They said, well, it's all about numbers, isn't it? And they said, eventually, yeah. So don't forget that when we start talking about, you know, the the emotion, because there's emotion, there's, you know, there's a human factor. With, within the stock market, and people buy, you know, sell things until they're oversold, and then they buy things until they're overbought. <laughs> uh, and there's quite a few things that are overbought right now, and there's quite a few things that are cheap and can be bought. And I, and, you know, dividend growth is a perfect example. Uh, two standard deviations below the S and P 500 of companies that raise their dividend every year. That doesn't make sense at all. All right, so. Keep that in the back of your mind while we're, while we're working here. All right. So we're going to be right back. We're going to talk a little bit about disruptive forces in healthcare. Uh, I think this is going to be a much bigger theme going forward. Much bigger theme. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Mm. 
Hey friends, Bob France here for my good friends at G&J Waterproofing of Cleveland. You need to know those letters, G&J. That's all. If the basement is leaking, you've got problems and I've got solutions. What did I tell you those letters were? G&J Waterproofing. That's it. Listen, only company you're going to need uh, if you want to handle your basement problems the right way for the right price and to do it right now. And the thing I love most about G&J the warranty. They've got the strongest warranty in the industry, literally twice as long as anybody else's. Now, how can you afford to give a warranty that long? When you know you're not going to have to do a lot of warranty work because you do the job right the first time. That's what they do. G&J has won every service award there is. Both the Better Business Bureau and Angie's List give them A ratings. That's what comes with 15 years of experience treating people and basements the right way. Go onto the website. Log on to gjwaterproofingofcleveland.com and then call this number, 440-687-6079. Get a free in-home inspection, 440-687-6079. Call now. A message from the National Police Association. It used to be that any able-bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers-by are more likely to take a video. There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then, start your video to provide evidence later. To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org. When rolling over your 401k, it's easy to get lost. Look to the experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors from RBC Wealth Management to guide you through the whole 401k rollover process. It's all part of designing a plan that's tailored to your unique investment needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. back just tuned in this is smart investor show uh my name is tim hayes um you know let's talk a little bit about disruptive forces in healthcare. um they're trying to bring the cost of healthcare down now one of the things that you know the administration is trying to do is with drug pricing which you know they, they're killing the small molecule business uh by doing that because it costs money and small molecules are the molecules that can go across blood barriers Things like your lungs, your brain, you know, and that type of thing. And I think that's where the great, uh, great drugs of the future will come from. So it'll be interesting. But there are ways to disrupt. Uh, So there's great potential within what we call the digital health space. And I think stock price performance of some of these names is going to be really positive over the next three years. Uh, but they've been stymied by higher interest rates, competitive intrusion, noise, you know, that type of thing. So, the, But the fundamental outlook in this industry looks very, very healthy, if you will. Uh, investors continue to hunt for innovation. And the long-term opportunity for value-based care remains very large, you know, and, and adopt, adoption is accelerating. I mean, can you get into your doctor's office? No, but you, you sure can get into, you know... Uh, there's lots of care centers around, right? So consolidation has begun to hasten that, by the way. And, and now coupled with the prospect of lower rates, if they occur, we think be, begins to bring the group back into favor again because they've been pummeled. So this is not for widows and orphans. These things are volatile. Uh, against the backdrop, we are looking at our views and providing 
what we call an educational primer on what we see as the most impactful forces affecting the, the healthcare industry delivery over the years. And I think the focus remains the same. Delivery or deliver better healthcare at lower costs. But there is one silver bullet to achieving this. For U.S. healthcare to reach the endpoint requires a convergence of three key forces. Technology, like AI and, and virtual health, new alternative sites for care, new payment models. Okay, so those three things are important. Now, I have got a lot of good-looking stocks in that area, but they're volatile, okay? And you should know that accordingly. Uh, and by the way, I, I mentioned our small cap list for those people out there who, who call in for it or, or email me for it. It's a volatile group. Don't call if you get knocked off the horse, okay? So, look, uh, technology, alternative care sources, and payment reform are the keys to fixing healthcare. And it's been well documented that healthcare spending in the U.S. continues to grow at a fairly unsustainable rate. Uh, so, we, you know, at RBC, we remain firm believers uh, that technology, increasing commercial, uh, consumerization, adoption, and new payment reimbursement models are going to play a real big time role critical role in driving much-needed optimization, okay? So, uh, look, our guiding principles are anything that can be digitalized, automated, or delivered at home eventually will be. That's the way it is, okay? <laughs> ask, ask the folks at in, uh, well, at a certain guy that delivers stuff. We are now, okay, looking at where we are, okay? Where do we go? So, the healthcare data has all, all the data has been digitalized, all right? You can find out what happened at university hospitals and at Cleveland Clinic. If you want to see how successful your surgery is, you can look. It's, it's out there, okay? So uh, just, you know, think about that. Now, the other thing I think you go, you know, in just 15 years, we've totally turned this industry around by not only innovation on, on the medical product side and drugs, but also you know, generative AI is really moving fast in, into healthcare. And so if you don't know where that's being penetrated, you should, okay? And there's, look, uh, providers are making better diagnos uh, diagnoses, I'm sorry, um, and they're improving caregiver and worker productivity with AI. So I, I think a lot of stuff's going to be happening. It's, it's a very exciting field. And investors should want some exposure here, okay? The, we expect digital health space to outperform for the first time in several years. We've been basically neutral on the entire group. So uh, I, I, I've got a lot of good companies out there, and the companies best prevent, uh, positioned to benefit from this are going to be artificial intelligence and people who will innovate. So. We have a list of a whole bunch of names, so uh, if you'd like that, please let us know. Um, and and I want to go back to a special report we put out, uh, and I, I think I talked to everybody about this. Uh, I think it was back in August. You know, one of the things that uh, people, I think this is speeding up very, very fast, and that is electronic payments are on the rise. Cash use is declining across the globe. And it's leading to an increasing number of governments to think about launching digital versions of their currencies. Nobody's there yet, but they're thinking about it. So I, 
you know, the one problem I have is cash may be king, but the crown seems to have lost some of its luster, you know? And the other thing is what happens if the electricity goes out, <laughs> you know? Uh, but anyway, we think the Federal Reserve is going to continue to emphasize incremental technology improvements versus, a, you know, a, a risky one-time push to transform the payment infrastructure. So keep that in mind. And uh, I also think commercial bank accounts and physical cash are likely to remain the center of U.S. financial uh, architectural foreseeable feature. But we do have a gentleman here who who follows this industry very closely, and Mr. Perlin has a thing called Perlin Pondry, and I, I think it's definitely worth your while to, uh, to be paying very close attention to what he has to say. Look, I, I talked about AI for now nine months, now 10 months, I'm sorry, and I said several things. I said, number one, these companies have strong financial performances. They, they're, they're investing in AI outside of their own AI businesses. They're monetizing it. Look, there's a GPU shortage right now. Now, it's probably going to go away fairly quickly because there's a lot of companies starting to produce these chips. Uh, so it's going to be straight up, straight down, but I don't know if it's over yet. And the CapEx growth and data center expansion has been big. And that's why I keep talking about this data storage and liquid. Look, it's very hard to cool down. GPUs run hot. The chips inside them run very hot, like 120 degrees. And it's very hard to keep a warehouse full of these GPO servers cool using forced air systems. That's why they're using liquid. So there's lots of opportunity out there in different industries. And by the way, most of those, those things in the data storage area or the data center area don't trade at multiples of 100. <laughs> All right. So there, you know, we, we've been telling you stuff that's now occurring. Okay, so it's one of those things where could we have been in it? Yeah, we could have been in it. We'll leave it at that. Now, I, I keep I keep looking at the, the news, and uh, you know I'm not a big fan of watching some of the news, but I read it online. And uh, with two of the world's strategic maritime checkpoints or choke points, we'll call them the Suez and Panama. Uh, Panama canals operating below capacity, that's a problem. And especially with the danger near the Suez Canal, and we have a huge drought in the Panama Canal. So I'm just wondering how this is going to affect cost. And, and is I think, you know, the Fed's got one eye trained on, uh, you know, the Suez Canal and one eye on the Panama Canal. And uh, look, there's $270 billion worth of goods passed through the Panama Canal, and I don't know what the number is on uh, on the uh, Suez Canal, but it's like 12% of all the goods <laughs> in the world. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's a problem. And we've had a 40% drop in the daily Suez Canal crossings. So we've got some problems uh, in the shipping area, which may eventually lead to some increases in, in prices. So it'll be interesting to see how the shipping uh, scenario works out, okay? Uh, the drought in Panama, um, I mean, unfortunately, uh, you see what happens when drought ends, like in California. I think somebody said they got eight tons of water. God help those people. Um, it, you know, it, 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 it's amazing. You know, they, and they had been in drought. So 
I imagine a, a lot of things are floating that shouldn't be. And so maybe that's what happens to Panama, but that could be even a bigger problem. So, uh, look, that's 40% of all the container traffic travels through the Panama Canal. And, you know, they're having a hard time keeping the water level high enough. Uh, so the Suez Canal, obviously, is in our thoughts simply because of the fact that, you know, we have Ukraine on one end of it and, uh, and uh, you know, you, the Israeli-Hamas uh, conflict on the other. So we've got to uh, gotta be watching those as a, we'll just call it a, a period of time where I think people have to, uh, you know, pay pretty close attention. You know, we've had a lot of regional banks get whacked. And I remember what I said earlier, uh, $23 billion was charged to all the banks by the FDIC just recently, which doesn't help things much. But, you know, we've had a, several regional banks collapse. And then we had another one, you know, that's on the verge of, you know, I did see some insider buying in that one. But the core business of banking is mundane. You know, deposits turn into loans, loans generate cash flow, depositors are repaid, and the whole cycle starts over again. The picture is a little more complicated with stock and bond investors included, but not much. Uh, the headline-worthy, when done well, we, we think is discerning to see small banks in the news. You know, the, the, this round of failing uh, or falling regional bank stock prices comes amid concerns on the bank's exposure to commercial real estate. And, you know, there's a lot of people talking about commercial real estate right now, but, you know, the, uh, not everybody's going to the office every day. So it'll be interesting. But I, look, I, I think uh, I'm not, I don't want to be doom and gloom predictions. Uh, you know, you, they pop up from time to time. There may be a kernel of truth to some of them, but not all. But the losses uh, are real and the impact's been felt by some of these companies. So you've got to be careful with the regional banks. You've got to make sure that what they own is important. Okay. It's a, it's a meaningful problem. So keep that in the back of your mind. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. Hey friends, Bob France here for Sky Roofing, serving the greater Cleveland area for over 22 years. You know, the thing I've come to learn and love about Sky Roofing is about much more than just roof and service quality. Obviously, those things are important, but what I love most about Sky Roofing is the people. And the reason that matters is when you're talking about something as important as roof repairs on your home or your business or needing a new roof altogether, you better be able to trust the roofers. And as I've come to know them, I believe you can trust Sky Roofing to do your job right, to do it on time, and to do it at a tremendous price. They'll do your house or your commercial, industrial roofing for you, and they'll do it like it was one of their own homes. Get on the website at skyroofinginc.com, request a quote there, or if you've got questions, they've got the answers at 440-349-6750. Learn more about the service, the experience, and yes, the people. That's 440-349-6750 or online at skyroofinginc.com. Take it from me, Sky Roofing is roofing done right. Take it from Charlie Kirk. As I read this New York Times article, so I read the New York Times so you don't have to. Salem Media Group reaches more people than they realize. This is my favorite line of the whole thing. Their hosts are big names and they have huge reach, which makes them one of the most powerful forces in conservative media. Tap into our big names to help grow your business. 
call Tim Vaughn at 216-525-1818. 216-525-1818. Thank you for finally noticing. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Bad finger there. Get it going. All right. So, uh, you know, I'm going to stay on this bank theme a little bit because, you know, look, we've had this disruption uh, by the failure of two or three banks. And uh, and we expect investors to focus on the fourth quarter earnings. And we're, we're seeing that more and more. Um, and the business trends, you know, that will likely be driven by modest loan growth, normalizing credit costs um, and deposit betas, and non-interest-bearing accounts, okay? Account balances, rates paid on deposits, uh, net interest margin, capital market activity, cost-saving programs, that type of thing. So long-term interest rates fell from about 4.59% at the end of the third quarter to about 390. They're back up to about 410 right now, but we have a a material positive effect on the unrealized bond losses, but there's also some gains there too. So now, we expect the median earnings per shares to decrease to about 9.5% from about 18% in 2022. So we expect lower net interest income and higher provisions. So keep that in the back of your mind. But this may be a, an opportunity to buy these things cheap, okay? So don't don't get carried away uh, and, and panic or anything like that. Uh, you know, I've been talking about the 10 themes in biotech we've heard. And, boy, there's a lot of deals happening in biotech. There's a lot of good news happening in biotech. And the reason I think this is important is because there's a lot of people short biotech. So, uh, you know, everybody says, oh, it's the end of the world for biotech, right? You know, look, they have life-saving technology, and I think that's what's important here. You know, people don't understand is that it's going to, you know, if they come up with something that works, you better not be shorted. I mean, look, there's been a couple stocks I saw. One was down to 68 cents, and then it climbed fairly quickly to four bucks, and then it opened at 44, went to 48 that day, okay, in one day. So it can happen. It doesn't happen regularly, but I think there's, you know, I talked about the 10 themes in biotech last week, and I think it's important that you pay attention there. Now, look, I, it's my humble opinion, you know, and I've spent a lot of time in the last month or two talking about dividend growth and prime income list. All right. And how cheap they are right now. Two standard deviations below the S&P 500. Now, the S&P 500 is lifted off because of, uh, you know, about 20 stocks. And but dividends are still about 40 percent of the total return of the stock market. And I, uh, you know, I can remember back in 2000, they said, yeah, but it's different this time. Bunk. You know, this, the rules apply and the rules stay forever. If you're raising your dividend on a regular basis, if you're a dividend aristocrat, that's a very positive development. 
That means management's doing something right, okay? So it might be a good time to talk about looking at our dividend growth portfolio or our prime income list. Now, the prime income list is made for people who are retired, and, and uh, there's some really good names on there, by the way, and, and, and who may want to uh, you know, just use the income as income, okay? Remember, dividends are, are still taxed at 15%, or you pay the 3% Obamacare thing, but uh, versus a CD. A CD is regular income. All right, so if you're at 20 or 25%, you're paying that plus the 3% Obamacare tax. So just just remember that. Keep that in the back of your mind. So it's, dividend growth is a key theme, I think, going forward, and, and people should keep that in mind. The other thing is I, I, the, the family work, uh, inventory workbook is something that a lot of people have been asking for. I think it's very important to get yourself organized. You know, we go along life and, and life gets in the way of doing stuff. So why not have it all down in one spot? Okay. One spot, one piece of paper, you know, it's very, it could be a very thick piece of paper in some people's cases, you know, and if you haven't set up a, something with a trust lawyer where you know where everything is, this is a good way to get, you know, organized. And then what about a, what about a wealth plan? Okay. Look, I don't, I, I have not had one person do a wealth plan who's upset with it. <laughs> they they get they get a little antsy when they're first starting to put it together, and it takes them forever to get it done. But the point is, is uh, you know, there's there's well, like I said, plans are important. If you don't have a plan, where are you going? Okay, where are you going? And that's the key here. So. The wealth plan is available to people who are not our clients. All we're going to do is tell you the probability of you retiring, okay? All right? Uh, if you want to become a client, then we can start to say, okay, what if you did this? What if you do that? Okay? Where are we going? Do we have enough money? You know, that type of thing. And I, look, I've sat down with some people, and, and people, they look at me shocked. You know, they're shocked that they found gambling in this house, just like in, in Casablanca. But I tell them, hey, you could take some more trips. I, I've told probably 10, 10 couples that. Hey, go out. Take the grandkids with you. You got enough money. And they look at me like, you know, when's the punchline? <laughs> so keep that in mind. So, look, the dividend growth and the prime income list, I think, are really, really good ideas right now. Small caps, if the market widens out, small caps are going to be the place to be. Uh, and you can either buy an index, uh, some people do that, or you can buy individual stocks. You know, our top stocks usually are our best ideas in the small cap world out of our analysts. Probably a good idea. Uh, but the wealth plan and and also the uh, uh, you know the dividend growth and uh, prime income list are really good ideas. Uh, you know, people forget that uh, you know there's there's an opportunity out there. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. Family inventory workbook. Don't forget that one. In the meantime, have yourself a wonderful weekend. It's kind of rainy out there. Ugh. Typical Ohio February without the snow. Uh, in the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. My name's Tim Hayes. Follow. So high.
Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.